Hi filmmakers, Jason Brubaker with Filmmaking Stuff where we show you how to make, market, and sell your movie without the middleman. I'm talking to you from sunny Southern California and joining us today is Scott Kirkpatrick. Uh, Scott is actually an industry veteran. He's worked in international distribution, digital distribution, and he's written a book called Writing for the Green Light. And uh, Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. Um, in putting this book together, I think you took a very interesting perspective. I've read a lot of screenwriting books. Most of them focus on, you know, character development and, and the conflict and, and all the different beats that have to go into putting together a good screenplay. But your book seems to take, you know, make the assumption that people already have a great screenplay, but they really need to tweak it so that it fits the marketplace. Correct. Uh, and not only that, it's, it's also that uh, not only do I think most screenwriters out there have a very good sense of how to write a script and, and all of the elements that are required to make the film, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think the real disconnect has been uh, Hollywood kind of coming clean with exactly what it is that we need in order to stay in business. Um, without movies selling and, and transacting and all that, you know, we, we don't get to pay our rent. Um, so, you know, we need to make sure that we're constantly producing movies that, that audiences are actively out there wanting to uh, transact upon. And in that process, we are looking for in the marketplace for very, very precise types of scripts. Um, and in all the years that I've done this, uh, I've kind of noticed that there's about six types of movies that, you know, most indie companies are looking to produce and, and will produce and will talk to young novice, uh, you know, never before produced uh, screenwriters about. Um, and so it just kind of builds from there, I guess. Um, can you talk a little bit more about like the six types of screenplays that actually sell, if it is six or five or four or however many it is? Um, I get a lot of emails from people telling me things like, hey, Jason, I got this great idea for a movie. You've never seen anything like it in the marketplace before. And, you know, most folks listening to this know that my background's been in distribution as well. And the first thing I think is, oh, no, who the heck's going to buy this? Yeah. Uh, so kind of a thing with that is that this, this is also one of the reasons why I wrote it in truth. Um, for, for many, many years, I kind of was always struggling with how you sort of get from point A to point B, you know, when you're in college or if you never went to film school, but just have an interest in writing them for the movies, whether you're in L.A. or not. There's, you know, there's tons of books, as we talked about, that tell you how to write a script and there's a lot of information about how to do it. But there's really no disconnect about how to really kind of get your work from point A to point B. Um, a lot of college professors uh, who are very well-intentioned um, give out advice that, you know, you should really kind of shake up the marketplace and be different and be bold and come up with something that's never before been seen. And the reality is Hollywood is extremely conservative. Um, they don't want to take humongous risks. They don't want to take, uh, you know, giant leaps of faith on something that may not have an audience at the end. That's why you see so many remakes and reboots and everything else like that today. And it's not just something you see today. This has been going on throughout the, the movie industry since the beginning. I mean, I Love Lucy was a reboot of a radio show, and, and The Ten Commandments was produced uh, two separate times, once the original silent one, then later in color as a big magnum opus, opus movie. 
So a lot of young filmmakers, very well-intentioned, want to write something that's completely fresh, brand new, and never before seen. And what they don't realize is that that old joke about Hollywood always wants the same thing, only different, is exactly what they're asking for. They want the same formula. They want the same type of movie. They want these same six scripts, uh, which are very simple genre, subgenre type scripts. Um, and, and they want fresh ideas added to it. But, uh, you know, they, they want it to be able to fit that niche because they know there's an audience there. They know if they go spend the money to produce the movie, they will make it back plus a profit. And then, you know, they can stay in business and the whole cycle continues. Um, so that's kind of the gist of it. You were asking about what the six types of scripts are. It's, it's nothing crazy. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's family films. It's action films, but, but kind of very specific types. Like it's not an action film, uh, intended to be produced on a budget of $300 million. These aren't studio movies. These are independent movies. These are movies that are anticipated to be in a budget range of 500000 to maybe less than $2 million. Sometimes, yes, you can go above that. So an action film that we talk about is one with an aging name star, where you can put somebody like a, a Dolph Lundgren or a Jean-Claude Van Damme in there who is a big enough name that draws an audience, and then they can put that out there. They want the same thing, meaning they want a formulaic-type script of that genre they want something that is a vehicle for a star like that an aging uh you know action hero type star but they want the ideas surrounding that to be completely fresh a lot of filmmakers will rip on me and say oh, it's just this you know who's this guy telling me to just write the same thing over and over again and, and not take any risk that's what television writing is so if somebody wants to tell me that the writers of Breaking Bad in the last final seasons uh, weren't following a formula, but also, you know, were, were, weren't somehow like brilliant writers for following the formula, you know, I, I beg to differ. Those are extremely talented writers who are completely required to follow very, very, very strict rules in the space of that series. And that's how the independent movie world works, too. So in terms of finding, I mean, it's okay to be to write to um, specific genres. I think a good writer can find their creativity uh, writing within the box, is what I'm hearing. And, and you should write within the box. The, the, the mindset is, I want to break the mold. I want to do something different. I want to take risks. I encourage that, and Hollywood wants you to as well, because we are desperate for talented writers. Um but for a new writer starting out, you don't want to do the go big or go home, no guts, no glory type mentality. You don't want to go in there saying this script completely breaks every convention uh, known and followed and it just it rattles the cage of, of all the studios. That's not what you're trying to do because your goal as a young writer, as a novice writer, doesn't matter what age you start, is to get your foot in the door to get your name noticed, to get your work noticed, and to build a reputation as somebody that companies can depend upon when they're in a crunch. So the idea is follow the rules. The old saying, you know, you have to follow the rules to break the rules is exactly what we're talking about here. Start off following the rules by the letter. Write the genres that are listed in the book. And I'm not hiding information. I can go into this uh, next in, in detail. Um, but, you know, follow those rules specifically uh, play by the rules of Hollywood. When they say we need a script in three weeks, give them a script in three weeks, you know, and uh, 
uh, once you build a reputation as a writer who can deliver time after time after time, you will have such a network of wonderful people within the business who trust you, who know you can deliver. Then you can go to them. Then you'll have a network of people that go, you know, I have a really unique idea. Um, I'm, I'm interested in taking a risk. And you obviously will know how to write a movie and will have a long credential list of, of, of credits to, to you know, support that. You'll be able to see real traction. So, you know, what's interesting, I, I didn't quite understand how the whole food chain worked until I got into distribution, but I think it's so interesting when you when you look at the genres that work overseas, and you hit on that a little bit with the action films and some of the other family films, you know, I thought it was interesting to note that one of the reasons why action films work so well overseas is because there's not a ton of dialogue, so the expense of getting... Um, the movie delivered to territories overseas is a little bit cheaper. Can you just go, dive into that for like just a quick second? You have such a vast knowledge of international distribution. Sure. Uh, so as you're saying, uh, my entire background is international distribution. I started doing foreign sales many, many years ago. Uh, and my objective was to take American produced content or North American. I, I work a lot with Canadian content as well and then sell that internationally. And I learned a hell of a lot about what works, what doesn't, what foreign buyers want and why certain territories or countries, we call them territories because sometimes it's one country like France or it's a territory like the Middle East, which is 23 countries, but they all speak the same language. Um, so you learn what works and what doesn't, but more importantly, you learn why, and you learn why from the people themselves. And I've had the wonderful opportunity to travel to most of these countries as well uh, and have seen what they're telling me at the market. Like when, when I go to Cannes Film Festival or Berlin Film Festival or whatever, and I'm speaking to somebody, let's say from Turkey, and they're telling me, you know, this is what works in our market and this is what does not work. And then you actually go to Istanbul and you start, you sit in a hotel room and flip through the TV channels and all of a sudden you understand, ah, this is actually why it works this way. Um, internationally, and this is very important for anyone who's writing for the independent space, and I stress that because writing for the independent space is your best opportunity for success. Um, the independent space is the most open to new writers, and the independent space makes the bulk of its money from international sales. Uh, so they are looking for movies that they know they can make a quick buck on in the U.S. or North America, U.S. and Canada. Um, or they are looking for something that they know they can make a hell of a lot of money on a global scale. So they're looking for stuff that travels. Um, content that travels focuses on universal themes, and it focuses on audiences that are the most likely to spend money to watch it. Um, and then on top of that, those movies that travel well are ones that are not completely limited to the nuances and social understandings of one specific region. So in the United States, we have things like American football and Thanksgiving. The only other country on the planet that has Thanksgiving is Canada, and they celebrate it in a different month than us. So having a Thanksgiving movie doesn't work. It means a lot in the U.S., but it doesn't mean anything overseas, and it won't sell. Writing a comedy is fantastic, and you might be somebody who's really good at writing really, really, really raunchy, hilarious fart and poop jokes. That's great, but it's not going to sell internationally, nor will a very sophisticated, intellectual, uh, uh, talking head kind of comedy, um, because not only is it expensive to translate, the humor doesn't translate. And so you end up with an expensive movie because you need big names to sell a comedy in the U.S. and it won't make anything overseas. And I've sold movies with big names, uh, big American names. I, I sold a movie 
um, that was a, an American film about American football, and it had pretty big names in it. And we made good money in the U.S. And I, it's it's insanely laughable how much money it made internationally because nobody understands what the hell is going on in American football. Um, now, if they would have taken that same movie and switched out the American football with soccer, which is a very far-reaching international sport, it's got a lot more legs to it. Um, so, you know, if you're talking a movie that's going to shift from Japan to Germany to uh, Africa to Australia, you're talking a multitude of languages, a multitude of cultures. So if you stick to more universal themes uh, and the genres I outline in writing for the green light, those are the ones that time and time again cover the most ground. Talk to us a little bit about breaking in. I mean, you know, I, I know a bit about your background. You've done a lot of work over at Mar Vista, and Mar Vista is interesting. They do a lot of movies for Lifetime, and, and they certainly have a large footprint internationally in terms of moving uh, product. Um, product is how we describe movies in the distribution landscape. Um, <laughs> but talk to me about the writer that just finished the, the Girl with the Horse movie that has international appeal. How do they get you know, a, a company like Mar Vista's attention? There's no real formula to that other than reaching out. The problem, and, and, and I know that's like advice you see everywhere, and that doesn't seem to help at a surface level. But everything else we're talking about here is really what sells you as a writer and what you can use to sell yourself as a writer and how a writer can break in at Mar Vista or at any number of companies here in Los Angeles or you know North America um, is just knowing what sells and coming to the table and saying hi i have these scripts that meet that, that are these real clear-cut genres and so few of those come in uh that people pay attention you know I, I, let me quickly walk through the genres that work um and the genres that don't and uh then i'll explain kind of how the writer who comes in with those genres versus the writer who does not, how they would see success breaking in versus not, if, if that's okay. It's okay with me. I'm interested. Okay. Uh, so we quickly talk about the scripts and the genres that work. Uh, I, I, let can, me, let, I can tell you're referencing your own book right now. You're probably flipping through your pages, aren't you? That's exactly what I'm doing. I'm sure that's just magnifying <laughs> right here. Uh, it's because I, I have clever cool names to each of these that I stutter on if I just try to go with memory. That's no, why. You, you should keep them in, and don't worry, uh, you know, we're listening. <laughs> the, uh, okay, I'll first go through the genres that don't work and why they don't work. The, the, the thing to avoid at all costs is drama. The reason why is they're boring as hell. Uh, I know that writers love to just, just really emotionally move people and they want to write a very, you know, emotionally driven script. Uh, it doesn't work because there, you, you, the only way to fund a dramatic film is to get really expensive cast names, and there's just too much risk with it, so much, nobody does it. Comedy is something that's to be avoided for all the reasons we just talked about, and then I get to the ones that are like the the good ones to focus on and the six goldmine genres as I talk about. The first one I mention in the book is called The Family Christmas Dog Adventure. Um, that's, you know... It's not just dogs, it's not just Christmas, it's basically family-focused movies, and if you can put a cute, fun animal in it, that's just icing on the cake. 
You want it so that it encompasses the whole family. If, if you use a dog or a carrot or some, you know, animal like that that can kind of bridge everybody, that's fantastic. And, and ponies, uh, chimps, and dogs really just work the best. The more exotic the animal, sure, it, it works great on paper, but it's very expensive because you need trainers. Got so you've you got a, you, you know, a pony you can get, a, a horse you can get, a dog you can get for next to nothing. Um, and chimps are a little bit more complex. But those are sort of like the, the big characters. The, the Christmas, that's two months each year, November and December, that are just massive for a holiday season when almost every purchasing entity on the planet, regardless of what country they're based in, is looking for content of that type. I mean, I, I just mentioned Turkey earlier. I, I get requests from Turkey. I used to all the time. I mean, when I was at Marvista or other companies, um, uh, asking for, for Christmas movies, especially ones with dogs and all that. And that's a, that's a predominantly Muslim country. So that's interesting. Just, that's very yeah, interesting. Just don't, you know, just keep in mind the far reaching power of a family film and a driving family film with an animal character in it. And if you go to the grocery store, some of the few DVDs, physical DVDs that still sell today are these genres. Think about Air Bud. That's the kind of style we're looking for. And if you do Air Bud with a Christmas tree, like, that's phenomenal. Um, I, the second genre type I outlined is called the Women in Peril Thriller. These are those Lifetime movies that we talked about, but it's not just Lifetime buying them. It's channels and outlets all over the world. These move extremely well. These are movies that usually are aimed at a 30-plus uh, you know, woman who is, you know, going through any number of, of life circumstances. She's been assaulted in, in a relationship and then the, she tries to do the right thing and uh, the law works against her, the courts rule against her. There's the don't take my baby which is you know some kind of an issue with adoption or you know any number of those kinds of uh, horror scenarios. So there's, there's all kinds of fun opportunities there. The, the Stalker X which is the, the, the classic example of that is going to be the Julia Roberts Sleeping with the Enemy movie. Got it, got it. Um, moving ahead, you have the the family-safe tween romance. This is a tween girl movie, and this is one that's so underwritten and is is just in absolute desperate need of. 12 to 15-year-old girls, maybe even a little younger than that, are like buying movies and renting movies in droves on digital platforms like iTunes. Uh, you can see phenomenal numbers on these. They can be shot for very, very, very cheap. You just They focus on great universal themes, and that is just a demographic and a target that so few people write for, and, and studios are really, like indie studios are really starting to look at those. The classic one is genre type number four, which is the creature feature. That's your Sharknado-type movie. That kind of speaks for itself. The uh, goldmine genre number five is the aging name actor comeback action film. Uh, that's the one I was talking about, which is you can get a, a driver like a Dolph Lundgren type film. And then finally, you know, you move into uh, the one that is focused. It's basically the young boys action adventure film. It's, it's the reverse of the tween girls. It's a young tween boy type movie, maybe skewing a little bit younger. But it's one where it's like uh, almost like a spy kids type film or, um, you know, a young boy becomes a spy or a young boy becomes like a top secret agent like Cody Banks, that kind of movie. Um, that's what we're going for. So those are your six genre types and those just, just cover the globe so easily and they're always being purchased. That's awesome and everything that you've provided is awesome advice. I know we're coming to the end of our time together but I'm just, I feel like we could talk all day um, 
Yeah, you just have such a wealth of information. Um, I know you've written a book, you know, for those people listening to this that are interested. Um, can you talk a little bit about your book, uh, where we can find it and all that kind of stuff, which, by the way, I know where we can find it because I helped you set up the website. Uh, full disclosure, Scott's a friend, so I'm helping him out um, with uh, some of the internet marketing aspects of his book. But that said, uh, Scott, fire away. How do we find your book? You just you just type in writingforthegreenlight.com. Uh, so that'll that'll link you directly to the buy now button, and uh, you know it's a little bit of information about me um, and details on the book, and that will get you right to where you need to to purchase the book. Um, and you know I was actually just at the uh, the Grove yesterday, and it's on sale on, on at shelves in Barnes and Noble as well. If you if you like to go to the old bookstore and physically pick it up as well. Um, so yeah. That's exciting. Uh, thanks so much for spending some time with us. Um, and uh, I guess if somebody wants to, to look you up, can you be found anywhere? If they, if they want to stalk you and send you uh, screenplays and all sorts of stuff? If you want to stalk me, uh, you, can, you can certainly follow me on Twitter. And uh, where do my we, handle it. Where do we find you? It's at SK Distribution. And you can always just write me an email at filmmakeradvice at gmail.com. Uh, just bear in mind, it takes me forever sometimes to respond to emails just because I travel a lot and I, I get lost in time zones. One quick thing um, before we do go, and that's that I never fully answered the question about how to break in the door. What do you do with these genres and how do you break in the door? If you're coming to a company with a, a script that meets one of those genres that does not work, a drama or a comedy, it's... It, it adds workload to the people who have to read it. It's seen as something that's a lot more challenging, difficult, a lot less likely to work, and, and, and it's seen as something that is, just makes their jobs harder. If you come to them with those six goldmine genres, this is what they're on the hunt for. This is what they know works. You're, you're, you're coming to them saying, hey, I have a script that solves your problems and makes your job easier. If you're the writer who's coming to a distribution company, I don't care where you're from. If you're writing in London or Paris or Pigs Knuckle, Arkansas, you don't have to be in L.A., but L.A. experience is very important to be able to talk the talk. Um, if you're coming to them and saying, I have a script that's going to help you with your problems and make your job easier, they'll listen to you. They will take your phone call. They will, they will read your email and reply to it. But if you go to them and say, I have the latest, greatest, newest thing you've never seen before and it's going to completely shake your world, chances are uh, you're not going to see much of a response. So that's all you need to do to break in. Other than that, uh, I talk about it in the book. Uh, just, just treat it like a first date when you finally have that pitch meeting. It's, it's Just make it fun. All right, Scott. Well, that's Scott Kirkpatrick. I wrote a book called Writing for the Green Light. You can check it out at writingforthegreenlight.com. And I'm Jason Brubaker with Filmmaking Stuff. This has been another uh, Filmmaking Stuff podcast, and you can always reach me, Jason, at Filmmaking Stuff. Until then, take action and make your movie now.